0: Hello and welcome to Kindness Connect podcast with me, your friend Sharf Nisa Amina. Hi Jan, how are you?
1: I'm just fine, thank you. And you?
0: I'm doing great. How's the weather there?
1: Oh, we have a beautiful afternoon in the archipelago of Stockholm, among 30,000 islands, a lot of water and sunshine. That's beautiful.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, Jan, before we begin with, I'd like to introduce you to our audience today, who's joining us live for this session. So, uh, Jan is an international author and speaker who inspires people to cultivate a caring, inclusive, and welcoming mindset and behavior. He has written over eight books and has done over 2,000 presentations on hostmanship, the art of making few, people feel welcome. And he is also the founder of the Hostmanship Group. Jan has 25 plus years of experience from the hospitality industry, working as CEO, director for a host of companies. He was head of development at the Swedish Tourist Board, president of the Scandinavian Tourism Inc USA. He's interviewed hundreds of leaders in all ages and thousands of people throughout the world on what makes them feel welcome and included. He's also a Stanford University certified trainer of compassion. Uh, Now, Jan has a very, very, very long list of achievements and contributions that he's done to the world. But uh, keeping in mind that we have a session to uh, take forward, this introduction is very short, and I'll be including his entire list of achievements and contributions in the first. (laughs) Uh, But to give you a little more insight about Jan, so when I first had conversation with him, this is what I got to know about him as a person he's extremely passionate about what he does about postmanship about including and welcoming people which is i believe a very very beautiful concept and something each and every one of us should invite Uh, second it's impossible not to get affected by his charisma and if you don't believe me just listen to this entire episode and you will agree with me (laughs) he is a visionary on path to world to make the world a more better a more welcoming more compassionate and more kind of place. So, yeah, thank you so much for be, agreeing to be a part of this episode of Kindness Connect podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you, Amina. I thought thank we you. had a wonderful conversation and, and um, when you told me about your life purpose, it feels so good to be with you.
0: Thank you. You know, yeah. even I'm from that day thinking about all the ways we could take this conversation ahead. But mm-hmm. then I had to remind myself, okay, this, we have a very limited time period <laughs> and we just explore all the possibilities it might take an entire day. So right. uh, I had to remind myself, okay, Amina, be very precise. Don't get carried <laughs> in the conversation. <laughs> so I'll so try how long
1: time do we have Amina?
0: Well, uh, we can go as long as we possibly can. I mean, Instagram live gives us about one hour of a session, live session. Okay. Okay uh, if we need a little more time and if you are comfortable with it, we can start another session as well. but sure. it totally depends on how the conversation goes and how many questions people ask us. Yes hmm. Okay. So you uh, want to begin with, uh, I'd like us to tell, uh, I'd like you to tell us what hostmanship is all about. Mm. Mm.
1: Well, as, as you mentioned, I mean uh, we define hostmanship as the art of making people feel welcome. You could in short say that it's the art of creating hospitality. And when you talk about hospitality, it kind of goes many ways. One way is when you greet a, a guest as a host, you welcome somebody to yourself to your house, to your business, to your world, then, then you practice, I would call it then, hostmanship. It, it's, it's how you um, cultivate your capacity for hospitality when meeting and greeting a guest. And, uh, and of course, India, that has brought so many gifts to the world I mean so many gifts to the world with all your wisdom and traditions and and I know that you have a word to see the guest closely as God. It's something like No, I don't I don't remember. (laughs) You know. So uh, that is beautiful. So that's one part of welcoming, how you welcome a guest. And that's what we think of hostmanship. The the second direction that this can go is how you and we as a guest welcome our host. Because if we are to have an inclusive and welcoming meeting or a conversation as we have, we both have a responsibility. You are the host here maybe, uh, and I am maybe the guest in this conversation but it's a mutual responsibility. And the way I practice guestmanship, if there is such a word, I don't know. Uh, actually, there isn't a word called hostmanship either. I kind of invented it uh, anyway. And, and we are all guests here, aren't we? On this planet and, and how we behave as guests uh, and what we want to leave behind us. Um, the footprint, the ecological footprint, and what have you. So so guestmanship is a pretty important thing. Now, the third way all this can go is also how we welcome ourselves. If we treat ourselves in in, in the same fine and inclusive and dignified way as we would treat somebody else, and that is not often the case. We can be sometimes a bit hard on ourselves and we have this inner critic and so so hostmanship kind of goes welcoming a guest the guest welcoming a host and welcoming ourselves hmm. that's beautiful
0: yeah so it's all about uh, creating an environment where people feel welcome included right
1: absolutely feel safe mm-hmm. feel uh, feel friendship feel welcome even if they are strangers Um, and in all religions and i'm not a special religious or spiritual person but we can find so much in all the old traditions and religions uh, about the importance of this first see to it that the guest uh, gets fed and gets you you know before we get interested in the guest so uh, in some traditions, like in the Jewish tradition, they have something called the extra share, that you should always have an extra share uh, in case a stranger would knock on the door to, to be open. So, um, yeah. That's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, last time when we talked, you shared about, in your journey to understand how horsemanship can be applied in the world, when you interviewed so many people and leaders, mm-hmm. uh, you've learned about seven choices. Yes. Would love for us to explore the seven choices of post pension and to see how we can use each of those choices and make our lives better.
1: Right. So <clears throat> let's think a bit about a, a mindset. Sometimes we say that some people are service minded or minded. So I think the first thing to reflect on, and it would be interesting to hear what you think about this, uh, Amina, is a mindset something that you have and are stuck with? Like a fixed thing? Or is, what what do you think? Is a mindset more dynamic? Can you change your mindset throughout life? Or will life change your mindset? What do you think about that?
0: I think both of these are possible. It depends on what we choose. If I choose to remain stuck in my current mindset and not change, then for the rest of my life, that's how I'll be living. And I'll be complaining, whining, I'll be frustrated. Because now I'm feeling the burn of everything that's happening around me. Or I could choose to adapt. I could choose to change with the situations around me and to see how I can be the best of myself. How can Hmm. I grow? So I can be either of them. It depends on what I choose, what you choose, what everyone else chooses.
1: But you can (laughs) choose. Is that what you say? You can choose. And I think the same. And I think the mindset we have it determines a lot on our life journey, what we will experience, how we see things and how we appreciate things. It's it's a lot about, because behind our words and behind our actions is this mindset, how we in here relate to the world around us. And and you know, we we humans, we have two conversations going on at the same time. One conversation, is within ourselves. That can be a pretty complicated conversation sometimes. You know, who am I and how should I live and what should I do? So that's one conversation. And the other conversation is with the outer world, this crazy world we live in where things happen and uh, not happening. And, And everything here is how we relate to this inner conversation or the outer. I think, is a lot of question about the mindset. And, and And let's just think for a while that we can choose our mindset. And my experience is that after interviewing hundreds of people about their mindset, that people who are inclusive and welcoming, they have made some choices or rather, they make choices all the time, which is pretty interesting. And, and because for me to be able to develop my uh, mindset, maybe other people, if I interview other people and I look at other people, just looking at a documentary on Gandhi can affect my mindset. That's why I'm so interested in people because I learn so much from them. I think, hmm, that person, it could be my wife. It could be somebody I meet. They relate to a situation like this. Maybe I could learn something about the mindset. And the thing is, as I think of it, that if we are to learn from people's actions, we can learn to copy their actions but that may, might not be useful for us because we are who we are and we work with different things and we have different issues. But if we learn to copy something of their mindset, we can use that, that then then in, in application in our own world. There was this great chess master and he said that every time I make a bad move on the chess table, The most important thing is not to think about that move that I should have moved it that way or that way. No, the most important thing is what was the process that led up to my choice decision? Because if I can learn from that process, I can use that learning in all the moves I make. Are you with me? You see the decision process. And the same thing is with the mindset. If we can learn and copy the mindset of really inclusive and welcoming people, if that's what I want anyway, then I can develop myself. So anyway, I've been sitting down with hundreds of people for hours each and um, trying to figure out what's behind their words and action. And then I found the seven choices you mentioned so, so do you want us to go through them yes
0: definitely okay,
1: okay. you have to stop me if i talk too much now.
0: <laughs> remember <laughs> okay, okay, I, okay. i'm a
1: lecturer so i talk a lot <laughs> maybe that's why i'm a speaker <laughs> so and, and these are seven choices there might be more i don't know but this is what i kind of i've seen a pattern c- coming back all the time the first choice, and this is not in an order, but let's, let's take the first choice is service over or before selfishness. So it's not service instead of selfishness. Because this, these people understand that the more I serve, the more in me gets back. I get back inside. So, so, so it, but instead of thinking what's in it for me as the first thought, instead of thinking that we could think what's in it for us, what's in it for them, what's in it for the listeners to this podcast, instead of what do I want to say, or, "Do uh, you know, so, so it's not instead, it's over or before. And I've learned through life that the more if you want to be really successful, I told my sons, if you want to be really successful in terms of living the life you want, that's the best definition I have of success, being able to live the life you want. And that, of course, can change throughout life. And it might be different for different people, how they define success. For some people, when they're 25, it's important with a nice car. But when you're 66 like me, nah, it's not that important. It's more important with relationships and contribution and things like that. So I told my sons that you can be as successful as you want if you make other people successful. The more you serve others, you will get so much back. Maybe not from them because they might not even be able to give back. But if you take some saint like Mother Teresa, well, one could say that she probably uh, got something back herself, maybe not from the people she served, but she was uh, uh, following a a call from God or it made her feel good to do this for other people. Uh, And and that might be more valuable than any money in the world, so to say. So service, and it's to serve. And to serve is, uh, if you take leadership, there is a concept called servant leadership, right? And uh, that is, you serve your employees. They don't serve you. And if you serve your employees, so they can serve their clients, their patients, whatever they have. So it's, 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 it's a mindset, I'm here to serve. And for the people I have interviewed, it's not being a doormat or a butler. It's more like, how can I use my enthusiasm, my love, my knowledge, my experience in order to serve others? That's where they come from. Um, so it's, the first one is service before selfishness then. And, and we live in a world where I think it's very egoistic many times. It's a lot about me, 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 me uh, all the time. We, we think about that. And for some people that's of course important because they might not have food on the table and things like that. Uh, but, it, but, but it seems like in a culture like mine being one of the wealthiest countries on the planet, I guess, still there's a lot of egoism. It's me, me, what do, I, what do I win? What do I get out from it? A lot of external things, good status and things like that. Um, but, but you learn, the older you get, you learn that uh, it's more important to serve. And that can be the, the people in the family, like my grandkids. It can be in the community. It can it can be the way you work, like doing this podcast. It's a way to serve, to give inspiration to other people. Um, so that's that's the first. Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, uh, service over selfishness.
0: It's Does that make sense? Yeah, I think. Uh, we may not receive it from the outside, but we definitely feel amazing when we serve others. You know, uh, the sense of peace, the sense of, you know, I am actually contributing. that uh, sometimes it happens that we're not really in a good state of mind. Things have been going wrong in our life. And there comes a point that we feel, I'm worthless. I mm-hmm. can't contribute anything, you know. And in, in such times, if we help someone and they tell us thank you or something equally amazing, we feel like, okay, so I'm not completely worthless. I can do something. And that is the starting point. And from there on, we start to realize that, yes, I am worthy and I can do something. And you mm-hmm. feel good, you're happy. And the more you serve others, the amazing you feel. So it's like an addiction, but a very good addiction mm-hmm. which is helping you as well as helping others. So I, I totally believe this. Yes. So, so, so selfishness, that's amazing.
1: There are even words for this. It's, it's a, So when you look at research on happiness, there are two main ways to happiness. The one is the hedonistic and the hedonistic way to happiness is by achieving a lot of things from the outer world. A big house, uh, a nice car, a good vacation, high status, and things like that, a lot of joy and things like that, then I am happy. And, of course, that can make you happy, but it seems like it fades away after a while with all these, The, the new car isn't new that long, so to say. The other way is what's called uh, uh, eudaimonic. It's e-u. D, the eudaimonic way to happiness is that inner satisfaction that you live according to yourself, that you live according to your values, that you. Um, it, it's an ethical thing more than things, so to say. And it seems like in all the happiness research, the eudaimonic way, uh, the eudaimonic way to happiness is a lasting way to happiness. So. In the end when we're lying there and have maybe a couple of days left in our lives Maybe we will look back and say that my life was good if I have also um, Served if I also uh, used myself in order to make other people this planet a better place or what have you and not just lying there thinking how much you have in the bank account or what kind of car you had or you know, all the job roles and things like that. So um, I think service is very fundamental uh, in order to be happy in a sustainable way, so to say. So anyway, that's the first choice these people make, service over selfishness. The second choice I've noted is um, wholeness before parts they see the big picture uh they always strive to see uh, the situ- the situation as a whole and not just maybe it's an individual that creates a problem but maybe it's a system that creates the problem the environment we are in we have a bad structure we have a bad culture we have it's not the individual and, and the same is that like the, the, they want to see the guests whole situation and and sometimes they are not so interested in what people are asking them but why they ask it. So I have an example. I, I used to run uh, a hotel in a ski resort and it was like an hour uh, to the airport and and a guest came up to the front desk to reception desk and said to one of the people uh, working there that can you can you book a taxi i need to go to the airport and that person was a very nice service minded person so to speak and she said yeah of course what's your name and it will be here in you know 20 minutes or something like that but the, the other person who sees a larger picture is not so interested in what people ask, but why? So that person can start to think, why does he want a taxi? Ooh, he wants to go to the airport. Hmm, There are many ways to get to the airport. And that person could then suggest the guest, listen, there is a bus outside here leaving in 15 minutes straight to the airport. And that will cost you like half the price compared to a taxi. And the guests is "Oh, ooh, I didn't know that. That's great. Of course, I will take the bus. It's good for the environment compared to sitting in a taxi and things like that. And that is what happens when you see a larger picture. What is this about, really? And not just get stuck with small parts. And uh, the same, I think, goes with the, the problem we have in the world today, the challenges we have, because we have some. They are so interconnected there is something behind everything and is it our culture is it our mindset is it i don't know and when you type try to reflect you will see that this little thing was just a little part in a larger whole so to speak and these people tend to see bigger they ask questions why all the time why why does he ask this why should we do this how does this relate to anything? How is this helpful? And not just do, do, do things. You shouldn't always do what the guests ask you because they must, might ask their own questions. They don't know the right question. The right question maybe when you come in up to the front desk in, in the ski resort at the hotel would, would be how, what would be the best way to get to the airport so I can take a two o'clock flight Okay, but maybe the guest isn't capable of understanding how to ask. Um, so maybe we shouldn't listen too much. Too much to what people say, but why try to understand a larger picture? So, so that's the second uh, part, and and I think that throughout my own life, everything was so simple when I was younger, like when I was a tourism director at the large resort in Sweden maybe I was 25, 26 and everything was just about getting tourists there as many as possible, we could make money on the tourists but now of course I understand that wait a minute, if we're going to increase tourism is that good for the environment? is it something that the people living here wants is it even something that the tourists are that are coming wants so it's a ve- everything is very complex you know uh, and if you just stop on one little point and just see one little part you might miss a lot And that's what the, 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 the that characterizes their mindset i don't know did you have any thoughts about that i mean
0: yeah, I was thinking, uh, is this somehow related to what we're seeing today in the world, the racial inequality? You know, we talk so much about, oh, we have done so much great for people of race, for colour. And yet, in the midst of the corona crisis, we saw a huge uprising in America, all about racial inequality. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, is this because we tend to just look at one part of the story? a few individuals and not the whole group, whole idea. And you also talked about systems, the environment that we're living in. You know, and when I say environment, it's not just the nature, the plants, but the environment, we as humans have created the systems, our education system, our working Mm. system, everything that we've created. Is this a reason why we're seeing so many disparities in our culture that we live in today? I
1: guess it could be. I guess it could be. It's hard also to grasp complexity, how things are interrelated. Everything is interrelated in some way. You know, um, I, I strongly believe that whatever I do will affect a system more than I can see. I mean, if if, if I let, let's take a little example, research shows that if you are kind to a person, kindness being your one of your focus, it will transmit to three other persons. It will uh, infect, if you want in this time, three other persons. So let's, let's say you, you, you enter a bus. And you enter the bus and uh, with a smile, you say to the driver, um, good morning, what a great day it is. And am I not happy to have a bus that can take me to my work? That driver will likely greet the next guest coming on board the, the bus passenger in a more kind way, because of what you did. And that second passenger will come to work and say, hey, guys. (laughs) So it kind of affects in three levels. So when we welcome people and we include people, we make people feel welcome and include, we cannot see the effects, the ripples of that. We will never know. We will never know. We will never know. But I think that's how it is. Um, so if we all, we can start to, to um, produce a more uh, good and positive vibration in s- small acts of kindness. Um, and, and sometimes I think that hostmanship or hospitality or welcoming or what word you wanna use is a little bit like saffron If you have a bowl of rice, it only takes a little bit of, very tiny little bit of saffron to make it all yellow. Only one little thing. And if we could find these levers, that uh, small things we do, we shouldn't underestimate the power in all this. I myself, I can't uh, end uh, the COVID I can't end the war in Syria, even if I want to, I can't, but the person coming up to me, I can do something for that person. And that person will do something for, and then the good in the end will overcome the, 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 the bad in us and, and in the world. Um, and that I can do. And that has a more effect maybe than we think. So so we're all interconnected, everything is interconnected. If I do one thing here, it will affect one thing over there. But it's very hard to see how that connects, but it will. So therefore these people choosing wholeness over parts is very careful with their actions. They're very careful with the words. Let's say you write something in, on Facebook or whatever Instagram, or you show a picture. That will kind of affect a lot of people. So they're very careful. It's not just me talking to you now. It's about me talking to you and you then talk to somebody else with that person. So so maybe we should be very careful with our actions and words. We, we should be very conscious on what we do because it will probably have a larger impact than we think. You know, Definitely. yeah, Definitely. okay. So, um,
0: let's talk about the third choice,
1: right? Um, that choice, uh, I call responsibility over avoidance. These people are very, um, they take a lot of responsibility, it's not just that they take responsibility for, for the city they are in, or in the company, or the family but they also take a lot of responsibility for how they choose to relate to everything that happens to them. Some people don't do that. They just react. If you say, oh, you're so ugly on, or something like that, I would react like an animal, oh, well, you're ugly too. You know, like um, some president somewhere. Anyway, we don't have to go there. Um, That's kind of an animal instinct reaction but these people take responsibility for their response. Um, And that's maybe the most important thing. They they say it like this. I am not responsible for everything that happens to me, but I'm 100% responsible for how I relate to it. And this is very hard. This is very hard. It takes a lot of training to respond instead of react. I have a hard time with that. If somebody says something to me or in traffic or, you know, whatever, somebody is coming in the lane, you know, know, I do, Uh, idiot. Instead of thinking, oh, I hope he's not too stressed. I hope he's not uh, going to the hospital because his mother is sick. It's very easy to show, choose the first response, idiot, instead of that. And that's the difference, I think, between reaction and response, a a reaction and a response. And that is the kind of responsibility I find in these people. And then they also take responsibility for their situation and family, that's one other thing. Now, the next show, do you want to say something about that? By the way, so uh,
0: it just reminded me that this Monday is last week. I had talked with Shifu Kanish Sharma. So he's a master of Kung Fu and he's also trained in different, other. he does eight different martial arts oh. and uh, he was also talking about the exact same thing about reaction and response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So reaction can be uh, just very quick. You don't think about it, but response is deliberate. You need training in that. It doesn't yes. just happen overnight. It, it happens slowly. And it's the wise mind. So, you know, it, it just, uh, it kind of like two thoughts just clicked in my head. I was like, okay, yeah, I got it.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, you can take a martial art like Aikido. That is the kind of receiving somebody, not responding like with the hard surface or reaction. And sometimes I think that uh, if we just could take a second or two to choose the response it will make us freer because just being able to choose the response let's say i come home from work and my wife says we should eat we should eat at six why are we here quarter past six in an angry voice let's say that then if i react i would say well, what the hell, that's the matter, I had a lot of work to do and I'm bringing money to the family,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, all that. Or if I choose a response, I would kind of think, oh, she's not in harmony. Because when she's in harmony or in love compared to being in fear, when she's in harmony, she wouldn't say that to me. So, if I then choose my response and say, Oh, I'm sorry, um, time just ran away. And how, 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 how has your day been? Terrible. You know, the jerk as my boss, blah, 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 this happened. Oh, that's a wiser way to relate than just react. Um, but it's very hard it's very hard sometimes easy to sit here and talk i wish i as you mentioned i've written a lot of books and done a lot of speech i I wish i could be that person that i want to be and write about but it's very hard so i I sit here i sit now in a in a little house i can see if i can if you can see Ah,
0: it's beautiful
1: yeah it's 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 by the water so I, i sit here and i do my meditation in the morning and everything is very serene and you know, peaceful. And I really feel in harmony. But then I go to, uh, to the little store we have on the island and in traffic I go, what? Watch out, I have the right to go first. <laughs> and then I go to the store and there's people. It's very hard, it's easy. Uh, when you sit here in a little house, I have a little studio where I sit and write and things like that. So it's very hard to, to choose a response instead of a react. Takes a life to train.
0: Definitely. definitely.
1: Yeah. So, uh, where are we? The next choice is. Um, I think we're on five. Four. Or four. four. We're on four. Is um, uh, compassion or consideration or kindness over indifference? If there is one word that is the opposite of hospitality or hostmanship or guestmanship or what have you, I think that would be indifference. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about the planet. I don't care about my country. I don't care about my my city. I don't care about my work. I don't care about guests. I don't care about my family. I don't care about myself because if we don't, care for ourselves, how it's very hard to care for others. So, um, and, and I see that they have like a reflex of care, these people, it's all, how can I help that person? And, you know, I was standing on the bus together with my wife like a year ago or so before the Corona thing hit and all that. And the, I was standing there thinking about the book I'm to write about compassion about compassion for others and self-compassion and all that. And then in front of me, there was this old woman with crutches. She was really big, standing close to the doors and we were coming up to a stop. And my thought was, how the hell did she get on the bus being that big? And then I started to think about my book on compassion. Anyway, so the bus stops and the doors open And she's about to leave and there's a little step for her to take from the bus down to the pavement and then i see my wife's one of my wife's hands she grabs the belt on her coat on the back so she doesn't notice it she grabs that and the other hand she puts just behind the hip she couldn't see it and my wife follows her That stepped down. And when she was down, she let go of her hands. And the lady didn't see it. And we walked the other way. And I felt a little bit of shame towards myself, thinking about my book on compassion. Only thinking, how did she get on the board of us? And how will she get? And then I asked my wife, where did those hands come from? And she didn't do that to get applause from the others on the bus or so I should love her more or she would get something. And then my my wife said she could have fell. She could have fallen. That was the only reason. So it was like a reflex. And you can see that reflex in some people. If you come into a train station and you see a a little child like two three four years old running around these people will stop even if they miss their train to see that there's a parent around you know and then they walk because they care they're not indifferent um therefore i would say sometimes it's very hard to spot these people, because their actions are very su- subtle. They're always there somewhere. I think they are the ones holding the whole society in, in some kind of net of love and security and safety. They don't get all these headlines and tough, you know, working titles, uh, great pay always. It's not about that, but they are there, they're everywhere doing these small caring things all the time. They are like, they're weaving the web of the society, holding everything together uh, because they have chosen not to be indifferent. Indifferent. So I don't know what you think. Care, of course, relates to kindness. How would you define kindness, Amina? For me, kindness is somewhere we
0: were not too hard and too critical of ourselves as well as others. You know, I think kindness is, even though it's an emotion, it's a feeling, it's a deal, at the exact same time, it's our thinking mind as well. You know? So if I'm really objective in my thinking, I will realize that if I've made some mistake, it's not because I'm a bad person. It's because maybe uh, I didn't know better. I didn't have the knowledge, the wisdom, and which is why I made a mistake or maybe I was preoccupied with something else and I didn't pay attention, I was indifferent because I had something going on in my head, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, kindness is all about how we view ourselves and our actions and our intentions, okay? So like you said, holding someone just to get off, get off the bus because we don't want them to get hurt, it's definitely kindness. But at the exact same time, it's so much more, if I can make you laugh and smile, I have done a great deed of kindness, according to because I made someone's day. I made them happy. So for me, kindness is everything that's small, tiny. Like you said, it just goes unnoticed. No one sees it. And these people weave a net of love. I just love the way you said it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is I think very important to me. Kindness is intrinsic. Mm. Kindness is the ability to look at the other side, the other side of the story, choose a perspective where we're not blaming people, but to understand what's going on with them and why they are behaving, reacting, responding the way they are. So so the, when you said this, uh, these lines about people who are upholding the society, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but I was smiling because that just made me so happy. Mm. Yeah, that, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, you have a beautiful definition, I think, of kindness, very inspiring.
0: Very inspiring,
1: yes, yes. Also, I think, I don't know what you think, it seems like we are very kind. We have intrinsic kindness, but it seems that we can be unkind too.
0: Definitely.
1: So so we have to kind of work, I don't know, Mm -hmm. the darker side of us in order to cultivate the bright side. I don't know, Why why do you think some people are more kind than others?
0: I think, again, it comes back to choice. You know, I don't but think why do really... they
1: make that choice, I mean?
0: Um, well, I can only tell you from personal experience. I'm not mm-hmm. as a whole. Uh, I think our experiences change us. A lot of people go through hardships and suffering in life. But they're able to come out of it. They choose to make better out of themselves. You know, someone hurt me. So mm-hmm. it's my responsibility to make sure I don't hurt someone else. Mm-hmm. Or you could be like, okay, someone has hurt me. I'm going to take revenge. If I went through the suffering, others have to go through the same suffering to know where I come from. I see. So it's, 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 a, it's a choice that we make. The environment, like you said, environment shapes us. The systems around us shape us. Mm-hmm. And I think some people are a little more blessed, more privileged by birth. You know, like some people are born leaders. Mm-hmm. They'll be, they'll just do great leadership uh, activities from when they are kids and some of us, we have to learn how to be a leader. So mm-hmm. I think kindness is also like that. Some of us are born with great kindness. Others have to learn through pain, suffering, the experiences of our life. So I think it goes both ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds, 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 sounds right. Yeah. So that was the fourth and the fifth choice they make is knowledge or curiosity over arrogance and arrogance i kind of think of as the know-it-alls been there done that i know it all i'm 66 years old i've done everything don't you come and tell me anything because i've been around blah 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 so so you know we, we can get very arrogant and uh Sometimes, you know, that arrogance can cost us a lot because we think, oh, I have so much experience, but we live in a new world. Maybe that experience can be dangerous. It's not wise to have that because it. when I was a little, when I was in your age, Amina, we never talked about uh, the environment. It wasn't like on the agenda. I mean, the, the, the climate crisis didn't exist. It did exist, but not in our minds in that way. So uh, maybe I have to be careful with my arrogance uh, and and choose curiosity to stay open. I think you should welcome every day, not as it would be your last day. You should not live your day as it is your last day, but your first day. Because if you have what they in in Buddhism call a beginner's mind, so many options and possibilities are possible that if you have like a closed and a fixed or a closed mindset, you're not curious anymore. Um, and, and in Sweden, we used to say, maybe that's international too, that you learn as long as you live. But now we say you live as long as you learn because when you stop being curious, you stop learning you're kind of in the dying process. If you already know everything, well, what the heck is the idea then? So constantly to stay open. So I, for example, for, was it two years ago, turning 64, I went to Stanford for six months to, to educate myself as a teacher of compassion. And, and, and you know, my uh, my son's wife says, oh, that's really cool being 64, you know? And, and still trying to develop yourself. So stay curious. I think Steve Jobs from Apple, he always said that, stay, stay hungry, stay curious and be open to things. And the sixth choice is uh, dialogue over conflict. And these people, they choose more to understand than to be understood. They are good listeners, they listen with kind ears, right? They, they ask kind questions. They ask inclusive and welcoming questions and they have kind of welcoming ears. And um, so when you have like a conversation, let's say at work or, Maybe maybe the f- the first part of the conversation should be like dialogue. Just trying to understand what is it we're talking about and why are we talking about it and listen to everybody. And when we listen to everybody, we will discover what we thought our little piece of the cake was just one perspective. But if we listen to everybody, we will see the whole cake. You know, and dialogue is the insight that nobody is smarter than we are together. Right. We can all add perspectives. Um, um, So the first part of that conversation should be like dialogue. Then we could have a discussion. Okay. We know the problem. We know why we have it. How can we deal with it? And then we will have all these ideas coming up. And in a good conversation, it will end in what we call then a compromise. And you, maybe if you listen to the word, it means com- promise. It's a, a joint promise we make to each other instead of winding up in a debate or a conflict. So that's why it's dialogue over conflict. These people choose the path of dialogue, and the sep- just say if you want to say something, um, Amina, or be- before. What I- you to know,
0: say something? <laughs> huh? How did you know I wanted to say something every single time? I saw it in your say- eyes. Okay, <laughs> you're a mind reader. <laughs> um, you know, what I was saying is a lot of problems that we face today. It's because people choose conflict over dialogue because it's very really easy to do. Uh, and go in conflict mode, you know, I am right, I am right. But it's it's very difficult to have a dialogue because you really have to keep your ego, uh, your previous thoughts at the door and enter into the conversation. I think that's very difficult for a lot of people. And if only we all could adopt this dialogue over conflict, I think 99% of our problems would solve. Yes. You know, conflicts, the wars, the debates, the politics that we play, you know, Uh, I think all of it will be solved if only all of us could adopt this uh, this, uh, choice.
1: Yes. And sometimes we say then, don't we, that an enemy is someone whose story we haven't heard. An enemy is someone whose story we haven't heard. Because let's say that there's somebody in... uh, you know, uh, a famous person or so that we don't like. Uh, We think that person is arrogant or we, you know, says, says a lot of stupid things or whatever we think. But if we get to hear their story, we will find our empathy for them. We will find sympathy for them and compassion for them. Even if they have totally different views than us and if they behave very badly and and sometimes i think that often when somebody hurts you it is their own hurt they're throwing at you and if you can see that instead of reacting then um, which is very hard that's the beginning of compassion so so when we listen to another person's story or perspective Aha, uh-huh, that's how you see it. That's what you have been through. And I I see, I see. Um, that's a more of a respectful way to listen. And and the word respect meaning then that you leave your you you you, you leave yourself and put yourself in somebody else's eyes. Respect. Spect is Latin for to to see. Spectare is the Latin word, and respect is to re see what that other person um, sees, knows, wants. And we had a very famous Scandinavian poet called Kierkegaard, and he all, all, always said that if you want to take a person from one place to another place, you have to start where they are. You can't start where you are with all your thoughts and minds, so you really need to listen. And then, and the, okay, then the last choice, I'm looking at the clock here, The last choice, you said we could do it for an hour, is joy over inconvenience. And inconvenience, we can think of, oh, that's a lot of problems, a lot of trouble, if I do that and things like that. And this is not the joy in the meaning of smiling. It's not joy in the meaning of uh, laughing or humor. Of course, some humor is very good tool sometimes, when we, when, especially when we have a conflict. Anyway, but it's the joy we see in somebody's soul more. And it's, it's a joy in somebody's heart to, to be able to do what they do, to serve you maybe. Um, because sometimes when I am out doing lectures, I do it to people who meet sick people or people with pain for people who are disappointed. And maybe you shouldn't just smile then, you know. Uh, But this is another joy I'm talking about. It's more fundamental, this kind of joy. It's a joy of life. It's the joy of uh, just existing. Yeah. So, so, and when you p- choose that and put joy instead of inconvenience and trouble and things like that and everything, it will also determine the outcome. So, these are the seven choices I have recognized when I interview people. There probably are more on, and, and some of them might not work for everybody. But it's, it's, uh, it's an observation. So, I think we all can choose our mindset. It's not easy, we have to use our habits and actions and words uh, to cultivate a more inclusive and welcoming mindset. I have to do that. I have to every morning set an intention of including and welcoming other people that would carry me through the day. And I can do that with, you know, meditations on compassion or what have you, that will help and carry me through the day. And the day is often very troublesome, crazy, A lot of people who aren't happy, you're meeting all the time and say stuff and do stuff. And so it's make me more resilient to have this kind of philosophy in me.
0: That's, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, let's connect this with ourselves. Okay, mm-hmm. Like, uh, earlier you mentioned about self compassion. Mm-hmm. We all make mistakes. None of us is perfect. We are all a work in progress. Uh, but sometimes it happens. It's very difficult for us to forgive ourselves. You know, uh, we are being too hard on ourselves. No, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. And I, I truly believe, in some ways, that it's easier to forgive others as compared to forgiving ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it, if if you develop a little bit of empathy, I think I think it's easier. What do you think about that? It's easier to forgive others as compared to forgiving ourselves.
1: Uh, definitely, it's it's definitely more easy for a lot of people to feel compassion for others than for oneself. So, when, when, for example, when we do like an eight-week uh, uh, training called compassion cultivation training, uh, when, when we started with that, we started with self-compassion. That was too hard. It was too hard for people because if you are to cultivate compassion for yourself and you take up times when you have been hurt and life has been bad towards you and things like that, it's too it was too hard. So we had to start instead of compassion for a close close ones, some near you, and then the f- compassion for a neutral person, and then compassion for somebody who has um, hurt you, you know, and and, um, and then compassion for everyone. Before we started to think about self-compassion, because it's hard, we have sometimes this inner critic. Who do you think you are? Why did you do that? Some people, uh, they have found ways to handle that inner critic. I I read one poet. um, She said that when this inner critic strikes, and often in the night when she wakes up, she sits up in the bed and she puts a pillow. And we were talking about uh, meeting this inner critic. Who do you think you are? what should people say what will people say and uh, oh man you made a fool of yourself and all that stuff how are you thinking and so some people would give that inner critic a name like a comedy name oh it's it's like whatever it's 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 daisy back here in my head and this one poet read about when she woke up in the night because sometimes in in the middle of the night that inner critic starts to work on you she would sit up on the bed put a pillow in front of her invite her inner critic to sit down and she said tell me what's on your mind and then the inner critic went through and she said maybe i could learn something from that inner critic is is instead so um, so self-compassion, uh, and sometimes everything we talk about here, Amina, about being welcoming can be very hard for some people. For me, it's quite easy because my life has been so easy. You know, I met my wife when we were 19 and we're still married and in love. That's not for everyone. I have two wonderful boys with wonderful wives, and I have four grandkids, and everything is just fine with me. And I've always been treated, I think, with respect. and I've gotten the education I want, and I never had lack of money. So I have an easy life. But for some people, it can be much harder. Then maybe they have experienced things in their life where they have been... Uh, disappointed, where trust has gone. So for them, it could be very hard to open up and be very welcoming. And so, and and the same is with self-compassion. If you have been through or done things, maybe you feel ashamed for or guilt for or something like that, it's it's not so easy with self-compassion.
0: So, uh, how do we go about being more compassionate
1: with ourselves? So, you give us a few tips. I think it's it's um, if you take uh, well, I'm not sure I can, but if it if I take myself, I always uh, tell myself when I do good things. I always remind myself. Um, uh, I think about things that I'm grateful for in life, in spite of some hardships that happens. One of my best friends died like a year ago, only being 55 with five sons. In spite of some hardships, there's so much to be grateful for. Uh, I think also when we talk about the seven choices in the mindset, that helps me being compassionate also towards myself. So I kind of, you know, I kind of use other people to practice compassion on so I can use it also towards myself. So it goes kind of both ways, right? So when I sit in my meditation and, and express like a line that I wish somebody who I have a hard time with, I wish that they are happy. I wish that they are free from suffering and pain. And I wish they have joy in their heart me not being a religious person i don't think that what i sit and think or say directly would affect that person for some people like a prayer in some religions they think that it will but it's a way to strengthen my capacity the more compassionate i am practicing on the outside it will be also easier on the inside so I don't know. For myself, it's it 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 goes both ways. I can cultivate my com- capacity for com- compassion towards myself or or others, either by going in, into myself or others. But it's very effectful to to do it on others. Use others to strengthen your com- compassion for yourself. The so more compassionate you show more compassion you show other people, the more likely it will be that you're compassionate to yourself. And, and I think that if you are compassionate to yourself and see that, that uh, it, it's, it's, it's being a human is not easy. It's not easy always to befriend this creature we are to live with every second of our life on this mysterious journey. And this individual or this creature we are to live with sometimes says stupid things, does stupid things, but often very good things also. And when we see that we have, we have issues to deal with within ourselves when we go into self-compassion, when we meet somebody, we can recognize that. So, ooh, so if we, we, if we are in traffic, and somebody's doing something really strange in traffic, you can think, did I ever do that? And then you think, yeah, I've done that too. So when we lived in New York, I was to see the Dalai Lama. I've seen him like five times or something. And then I came back uh, home and my son, he was then like 10. He asked me, what have you been doing today, Dad? And I said, oh, I uh, I, I was at the concert hall listening to a very wise man called the Dalai Lama. So what did he talk about, my son asked? Well, he talked about compassion and kindness and, you know. And then we came like to a crossing and this car is driving on my side. I go, idiot! And then my said, oh, his talk didn't last so long. He said, you know, I have felt it. So if you can, if you can see that you are not maybe perfect always, and you, you can welcome that too, and then you can work with it. The beginning is to welcome it, to see it. If, if you wanna work with something in your mindset or something in your action, sometimes people are very unconscious on their actions that they, they might, you know, I've probably hurt a lot of people without knowing it. It wasn't my intention. So that's, but we, if you can see that in yourself, you can also recognize it then in others and have more compassion for them.
0: So in a nutshell, it's to be grateful what we have, Uh, just to uh, recount all the good deeds that we've done, helped Mm -hmm. others, Mm -hmm. at the same time, realize and accept that we're humans and we're making mistakes.
1: Yes, we are.
0: And to know that we can always change ourselves and that is how we can be a little more compassionate towards ourselves so is it is this uh, would you like to add something to this short summary that i understood
1: probably but i can't come up with anything at the moment (laughs) but uh, there are probably more ways we can do to feel self-compassion sometimes you know i have a i have a good friend in canada he's been uh, a buddhist for 40 years and he works with the management teams and he's a, a teacher of mindfulness and compassion and those things. And he has like two exercises that I found very um, helpful. And it's kind of embarrassing for the, for the group. You can see the bosses are sitting there in suits or, you know, nicely dressed. And, and he, the first one is called the sweetheart exercise. So, Let's say that you do something that wasn't that great, you know, or you you have some trouble arises. The first exercise is the sweetheart. Then you take the palm of your hand like this, and you go, it's okay, sweetheart. It's okay, sweetheart. And he says, seeing these managers, it's very strange for them. It's it's, it's okay, sweetheart. On yourself, because touching yourself in that way, touching your heart, this tactile sense, this, 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 touching your heart, or it's okay. It's like when you're a little child and somebody is doing this, it's very comforting. You can comfort yourself also physically, not just by the mind and words and things like that. And the other sec- exercise is that, is that, if you think life is hard on you, and you are hard on life, maybe. You, you, you can take your left palm, open it up, and, and put all your problems in the palm. All your problems, all your worries, all your negative thoughts about yourself and others. You can take them in the palm of your hand, and then you close your hand, and with the other hand, you, you soothe it. It says, it, you know, it's okay. It will be okay. It will be okay. So he'd do these kinds of practices. It's okay, sweetheart. It's okay, sweetheart. This too will pass. You're only human. We make mistakes. Maybe we can learn from the mistake. You know, we, make, we, we say something to somebody and we come back and, and say, I'm sorry. You know, we can, we can always say I'm sorry and that might be the foundation for a, a long, long good relationship, coming back to somebody. I'm sorry. It wasn't meant to hurt you. Maybe I was in I was in a bad mood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry for reacting the way I did and not responding why, more wisely. Uh, you Taking know that. So hmm? hmm? Taking this a little forward, mm-hmm. um,
0: let's talk about parenting about how can we apply the hostmanship philosophy when we are parents or we're grandparents. Because I think this is one issue because we don't have a finishing school of how to be a great parent or one on one tips to be an amazing parent. I think everyone learns by trial and error. They do the best they can in their position. But still sometimes we fall short. And I just want to I'm really curious to know how is this if we apply the hostmanship philosophy and our parenting methods. How can hostmanship make us a better parent? Well,
1: as you said, we are not, I don't think there's any perfect parent, at least I'm not uh, <laughs> done by mistakes, but it seems like they turn out to be good people anyway. Um, I think the whole idea, uh, Amina, of seeing yourself as a host Hosting your children, um, and being a host, and it's 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 the same goes with a leader. Like in an organization, I don't want to compare those two, of course, but but the same thing goes that if you see yourself as a host, you're hosting an environment where these children. I mean, the greatest gifts you will ever get in life. Where you host them with love. And sometimes hosting them can mean that you are a boss. Like when the child are young. Sometimes, no, you can't do that. This is what you're going to do. You can't go over the road. You can't do that. You can't, like, use that, you know, knife or whatever you have. So we have to be very, like, bossy. So that's one phase of hosting your children, often when they're young, very small, because they don't know, you know, they can hurt themselves. The next phase, of hosting is you are a leader, parent as a leader. And a leader is someone, at least what I think, with uh, vision, uh, engaging people, you know, more. Then you're a leader. Maybe when they become a little bit older and then when they turn like teenagers or something, you become more of a coach. You, you ask them questions instead. You ask them, how do you want this? But behind being a boss or a leader or a coach throughout the children, before they leave your home, in Sweden is around, I think it's 2021, something like that, hopefully. Um, before they leave sometimes you have to be the boss you have to be able to say not in this house this is even if they're teenagers this is not how we talk here it's not okay it's not about serving people something like that sometimes you are the leader often you are the coach instead of the kid is asking you what's for dinner you can ask what do you want for dinner Probably to say ice cream and candy. and then, then it's really fun to to serve that. That happened to me a couple of times. What do you want for dinner? Ice cream and candy. Okay. And my wife goes. <gasps> but anyway. So if you see yourself, you're hosting a home for them, an environment where they are to become themselves, not a copy of you, because they are as the... Uh, Persian poet Rumi says, they are their own. They are to be discovered as their own. They're not a copy of you. You don't own them. They are in one sense guests in your home. Maybe the most important guests you will ever have. And they will, in your mental home, never leave you, of course, but in the physical home they might leave you. So I think that if you have a sense of hospitality of including and making them feel welcome. So uh, that's an important, I think, for myself, ingredients in parenting. And the same goes with, with work, being a leader. You can host a vision, you can host a community. And if, if you think of it, if somebody invites you to a party, there's a host. And you are the guest. And the host role in order to have a successful party or upbringing of children or workplace is to create the conditions and the framework around the party. So the host can say, you cannot jump into the pool after 10 o'clock because then their neighbors will get angry or something. And the host can be very strict so if somebody will do that, the whole can say, sorry, we can't do that. You have to get up if you have a pool. Um, but you as a guest, we have to, if the, the kid feel more included, and not just being told, And and this is really interesting because we have a lot of immigrants coming to Sweden, refugees, we are the country, I think maybe in the world that per capita takes in most refugees So we have a lot of refugees coming to Sweden and and immigrants. And I have a lot of friends from like Syria. And the interesting thing there is that this is like a totally different culture for them, they say, because in my country, if they draw like circles, the inner circle is very small, it says me. What I think and what I want to do is very small. The next circle is family, it's very big. What father or mother says I should do or will do. It's very big. And then you have like authorities and governments which they don't trust at all. So it's very small, affecting. They have also ethnic groups before uh, authorities They're a bit bigger, you know, could be religion or what have you. And then they come to Sweden where the me is super big. It's up to me to decide how I want to live. No parents can tell me, at least after I left my home, I can do whatever I like. Even if my father would say, I think you should be a doctor. That's what you think. I'm I'm going to be a car mechanic. I don't care what he thinks so much. So the me is very important. So in Sweden, we have uh, single households more than any place in the world. It's because people want to live by themselves. You know, young people, they don't want to live at home. They want to be free. It's me, me, me. Nobody should tell me. And the family is very small. They don't affect us so much, what our parents think or, or so, you know. And then we have ethnic groups are very small too. Because we, we, we are like most people in Sweden are not religious at all. We, we don't go to church or to the mosque or what have you. More and more of the immigrants, of course. And then we have authorities. We trust that. That's very important. We do what the authorities say. So when you get like the coronavirus in Sweden, we don't have to do lockdowns because if the authority says you need to distance yourself from us, yes, we will do that. Because we trust the authorities. We have a high index on trust. So, so it's very different in what p- kind of part of the world it, it is. Mm. I don't know how winded up on all this, actually. <laughs> That's
0: you? all right. Yeah. I think it's, it's just the flow of conversation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't remember. You no know. problem.
0: But I think I got it just uh, about parenting. That oh, that's we what we're talking about, them, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, at one point, a parent has to be a boss, a leader, and a coach, and that we should give enough freedom to our children so that they can discover themselves. That at the exact when they same can. time, yes, when they have, and at the exact same time, if we think they're going in a wrong direction, to hold them back and to teach them the correct values. So and I think this is how the postmanship comes into the play. So,
1: so treating them when, as one. Yeah, when our children were one and three years old, I asked my wife, when they are leaving our house in some 18 to 20 years or something, what should we have contributed with? So we started to reflect on that and three words came up. We wanted them to be compassionate. We wanted them to be, to take initiatives. And we wanted them to be independent. You know, Those three things has been in the background when we have raised the children. And it wasn't so hard to make them be independent. That, <laughs> and sometimes taking initiatives, that's really crazy too. But we have encouraged all that. Um, And that's hosting, that's creating an environment of love and for their own sake. And then sometimes you have to be hard, tough, love or whatever you would call it. And sometimes you you, you should ask good questions. And, and, you know, we've been talking a bit about that before. I think that the art of asking kind questions and, and meaningful questions and having meaningful Uh, conversations uh, it's very hard it's very hard and 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 uh, sometimes i think we should think what is the most important question i have now in my life to sit down and reflect on that what is the most in one of my favorite poets who died a couple of years ago her name is mary oliver and she she's written fantastic poems one is called the summer day And in the summer day, she starts the poem, or 95% of the poem is about the miracle of being alive. And all life, the miracle on this planet, you know, just that we can open our eyes. And she talks about who created the world, the black bear, who created the swan, and this grasshopper that looks at me. She, She talks about the amazement of being alive. And then she ends it, with a question, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? It kind of hits you like this. And finding the right questions that we carry, and there are questions within us that needs to be addressed and answers, but it takes some reflection, silence, uh, aloneness sometimes to let those questions come up and in a kind way, address them. So a lot about, I think, hostmanship or hospitality or welcoming or what have you is about questions. It's about beautiful and kind questions to others and to ourselves. I think that's kind of fundamental. So I don't say that I have all the answers I think the hostmanship philosophy is more about a lot of questions. So when I do lectures and I I'm more like when we have a question and answer thing I have the questions <laughs> and they have the answers. It's not the way other way around. Or often it's the other way around, right? You know. So I I, I hopefully I can ask good questions to people that are meaningful for them and they're kind they're inclusive they're welcoming and that's an art being kind as 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 as, as kindness as is your theme it's often about asking questions and don't give people answers and also parroting of course when they're a little bit older maybe not when they're 1 year but 2 years you can start to ask questions what do you think? What do you want?
0: Definitely. Mm. Yeah, since we're on questions, here's the last question for you. Um, I find that many people find it quite challenging to answer, but well, this is the question. Uh, what is the best advice that you have given to yourself? You know, We mm. give advice to a lot of people. People give a lot of advice to us. What we fail to understand is that 90% of the time is the conversation that we're having with ourselves. And without recognizing, we are actually giving advices to ourselves. So is there any particular advice that you have identified which you have given to yourself? And why do you think it's the best? Um,
1: I think, maybe I think it's more of a... Advice that I continuously give myself than that once. And one such advice is sleep on it. When something happens, as we talked about in the show, said, when something happens or somebody says something to you, sleep on it. Sleep on it. If you wind up in a conflict with somebody, you know, it could be a a parent or a brother or a colleague or sleep on it. Don't react, I think coming back to that. And and you know, sometimes I think that sometimes it's enough with a couple of seconds to, to reflect, to re- be able to respond. But there is a saying, sleep on it. And that's because when you wake up next morning, you will see probably that it wasn't only that person's fault, you had something to do with it too. Maybe I had a bad day or something, sleep on it, let's fall. So instead of writing that angry email in the evening, you know, sometimes I think that we, on the keyboard, it should feel if you press the keys too hard, should come up a warning sign that says, oh, are you angry? And he says, "No, I'm not angry." And then the computer says, "I will close down for twenty-four hours. See you, and go dark." Um, don't take everything, anything, at face value. Don't take anything. Don't react. Sleep on it. Sleep on it. Be, be able to say, "I don't know." Can I? I need to think about this. We sleep on it. And I know that. Sometimes when I when I used to live up in the mountains, which kinda really in one sense started all this for me. I had a a very hectic life then and I had this burnout and I was walking up to this little river up in the mountains and I was sitting there like I think maybe close to thirty days. I didn't know about meditation or mindfulness or something. I just sat there. And I became more and more uh, harmonious. And one day I was sitting there, everything froze. Everything, I, I can still explain what it was. Everything became one, me and the trees and the sky. And there was no time and there was no distance between the trees and the stars or the sun coming up or what have you. And there was a little animal called a Hermine that was standing just two meters away from me looking. And I turned around and the Hermine looked at me and then walked slowly away. I can still uh, explain it. But it was something that really changed me. There is more perspectives. There are more perspectives than what you think about everything. Uh, and, And sometimes you can sleep on it. Sometimes maybe you should take, time alone maybe you should do a pilgrimage somewhere to be totally alone because then you will see more depth in yourself uh, and you will see the questions that arises that you need to answer Um, and those answers might be what really becomes your life if you really listen to them and in this hectic time that we live We rush, we rush, we rush, we think, this mind, mind, mind up here, brain, brain, brain. It's very hard to find solitude in order for these questions to come up that wants wants to be answered by us. We don't have the time. Also, it can be scary because we might enter a place where it's totally unknown. There can be very challenging questions that comes up That can be hard. But they won't leave you until you address them, until you put that pillow and ask the question, please sit, tell me, what is you want to ask? And when you have been there, like I was up by that river, I I was walking for many months up there, it really changes you. You become more authentic. um, And you see that... uh, your life um, is meant to be something of value for someone or for some people. Um, and that's why all the contemplative uh, uh, traditions is about a lot about aloneness, taking the pilgrimage. Scary, very scary. <laughs> it's easier to be on the surface having some fun, having a party. But then something is knocking and you can try to hide that knock. I don't want to listen, I don't want to go there. Wow, it's strange, what happened? Or you can follow it and it will totally change you, I think. At least for me it did. Anyway.
0: <laughs> That's-
1: yeah, you have to be kind towards yourself. You, you, you didn't choose to come here. You just winded up. You didn't choose your beautiful eyes, Amina. You just got them from somewhere. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your circumstances. I didn't choose to grow up in Sweden. We, we There's a lot of things. That I don't choose all the challenges life has. So uh, we have to be very kind to ourselves. We have to befriend ourselves. We have to befriend the creature we're going to live every second of our life with. <laughs> that we can't separate from. We can never. You can't leave that person. Yeah. And sometimes that person is starting to knock and say, "Hey, Jan, where are you going? Tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life, sir, miss, missus, or whatever you are? That's a good question. Your one wild." precious life what do you plan to do i mean at y'all or wherever <gasps> i don't know <laughs> get a good job buy a big house i don't know <laughs> yeah, well. I
0: think that is one question i think we'll forever be searching answer for and i think it's going to change every now and then that's yes, of course at the heart of it, we can choose a few values that we wish to you know, have in us for the rest of our life. Yes. Yeah, and it's not so much about it.
1: asking what you can get from life. It's what life wants from you. It's what life wants from you. And in order to hear that, I think, call, we have to, uh, we have to get down in ourselves a bit. So we can hear the call. But laugh. Because there will never, ever, it has never, ever been a person like you, Amina. And there will never, ever be somebody like you. Never, ever. In all times, there will be somebody with your heart, your mind, your circumstances, your contribution, your service. This is a one shot we have on Amina. One shot for some years. Don't waste that. Don't waste your gifts. And don't underestimate your gifts. Don't underestimate what a hand can mean for somebody and what that hand will lead to in the next, to the next person, to the next person. Never, never, never. Go to bed every night, I think. Uh, Don't ask yourself only what you did, but who were you today? Who were you today? Did you love, live up to all your expectations of yourselves? Nah, why not? Well, I did that, mm, who were you? So when, you know, in the final end, you can lie in the bed being an old person and you can say, I'm ready, I'm done. Like my um, mother-in-law, she was 92 years old. and she, she, she knew she had like, I don't know, a couple of days left. She says, you know what John? She smiled, I'm done. I'm ready. I had this fantastic life. And now I'm, bye-bye. So if you live from the inside and you be authentic, one day you will be looking back on your life more than looking ahead. says, I, I was Amina. I was the Amina who, who that could be. That I spent is... this one wild, crazy, <laughs> precious life in a good way, anyway that's a couple of thoughts
0: those are beautiful thoughts and that's a beautiful philosophy, and oh my god, i just I think if everyone just understood this philosophy and even even if they just implemented like five or ten percent of it, the lives will change
1: absolutely. I
0: mean, impossible to be hundred percent true to this philosophy or any philosophy.
1: Absolutely.
0: Five or ten percent of it is gonna make a huge difference. And yeah. you know what? I'm gonna ask that question to myself every single day about this what can I do about this wild, amazing life that's been given to me. You yeah. know, that's, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Ioan, thank you so much for joining me for yeah. this session. Thank you. You know it was amazing. It was even better than the last conversation that we had.
1: <laughs> well, it's great to be talking with you, Amina. I'm, I'm really happy we got to meet.
0: Yeah, me too. And you know, one day, I just hope you're able to meet in person. You know, when all of yes, this goes absolutely. done.
1: And the amazing but, thing is, think of it, we are so different. We are different age groups. We have different genders. We live in different countries and cultures, but there's so much underneath that that connects us, right? We're so much connected, you and I. I hear that when I listen to you and the the fantastic choice you have made to work for a more loving world or kind world. It's so much, and that's what, what I've noticed with traveling around the world, that when you really sit and talk to people, we are one, we are the same, all of us. We come from different cultures, different faiths and all that stuff and different genders, but basically we are one, we are just one. Mm. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Once again, Joanna, thank you so much. Thank
1: you, thank you, Amina. Thank you. Have, have a great day in India.
0: Great day. and thank you for everyone who joined us. Okay. <laughs> bye bye, take care. Bye bye. I hope you liked this episode of Kindness Connect podcast. I will be back with more amazing friends of mine and together we'll be exploring kindness and mental health. Until next time, take care.